Bonjour and bienvenue to Battle Royale, a podcast, well, we already know it's a podcast, where we are passing judgment on all the kings and emperors of France from Clovis to Napoleon III. Who will be selected as the creme de la creme and who will be sent to the guillotine? Je m'appelle Ben Clark. And I'm Eliza Summers. And we are here on this marvellously windy day. So if you hear any windy noises, <laughs> that is why. Yeah, if you hear any hurricanes outside, that's what that is. It's just really windy. Yeah. Probably something with like polar winds or whatnot. Yes. So this week we are talking about Childeric the Second. And this is like the third time we're re-recording this episode because we've had a bit of an audio, bit of audio strife uh, this week. But hopefully it is now resolved and we can move on with our lives. <laughs> um, so he is the brother of our last king, Clothar III. And we know very little about his life uh, from the Historia Francorum or the Chronicle of Fredegar. Because they don't really care much about the kings anymore. They're, <laughs> they're more into the mayors of the palaces and all of their shenanigans. Um, but he does do more than Clothar III did. Clothar III That's got not a, hard to beat. It's not really hard. Clothar III got our lowest score yet. Um, but what Children II does do is not very good. <laughs> <laughs> like, when, it, when he steps in, it's it's not good. So we're off to a great start. Okay. Um, and you'll also remember he is also the son of Queen Balthild. Mm-hmm. Um, who was our saintly queen from last time. And she's still going to be alive throughout this episode, but she's more of a background figure because she renounced her regency and went to be a nun. Um, so, Childeric II is born in the early 650s to Clovis II, King of Neustria, who is the son of Dagobert, mm-hmm. the last person who got spared from the guillotine. Yeah. And, of course, his wife, St. Balthild. Clovis II did not follow in his father's footsteps to unite all the Franks under a single ruler. And he may also have been insane, which we'll see if he passes on those genes. Um, Childeric II was named after his ancestor, Childeric I, Mr. B-Man, the yep. guy with the bees, who was the father of Clovis I. And we covered him in our introductory episode. But that's probably the coolest thing about Childeric II. Uh, <laughs> So, the name Childeric comes from the Germanic elements Hild, meaning battle, and Rick, meaning power, rule, or ruler. Battle ruler. Yeah, battle ruler. Um, Same Rick that's in Richard and other such names. Um, So, in 662, so when Childeric's about 12, there's a bit of a struggle between the mayors of the palace in Neustria and Austrasia, our two Frankish kingdoms, which I explained a bit last episode. Childeric II is given the kingdom of Austrasia around the, oh, it says it's around the age of nine, so not 12. Um, where it, the name, the ages are very vague. Yeah, um, <laughs> so between the ages of nine to 12. He's about, he's around 10. He's just yeah. a child. He's a child. Um, but th- this is because the nobles in Austrasia, they're kind of sick of being united under the one king, who's Childeric's older brother, Clovis III, also a child. Because um, these nobles don't get along. Austrasia and Neustria, the nobles, are not getting along. So, Austrasia elects to bring over Childeric II and have him as their king. However, 
This throne in Austrasia rightly belonged to his cousin, Dagobert II. Oh, the one in the um, monastery in Ireland. Exactly. Um, He had his hair cut and he'd been exiled to Ireland. Apparently in the monastery of Slain, I think it's pronounced, in in County Meath, so near Mm -hmm. Dublin. Um, And this Dagobert has a sister called Billachild, who at some point is arranged to marry our boy, Childeric II. Her first cousin. Uh, <laughs> Which is looked down upon at the time. Exactly, because we know that the they church- spread that faith. The church wants you to spread the faith by marrying outside the family. Um, so, this is probably the closest incestuous relationship we've had so far. Um, and this couple is going to have two sons, Dagobert and Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a normal name. Yeah, well, we'll get to why he's called Daniel. The in- the reason is quite interesting. Oh, yay. Um, but we'll get to that maybe in a couple episodes of time, because he's going to continue in relevance. Um, around for a while. Mm-hmm. So, while Childeric II is king of Austrasia, he is firmly under the influence of the mayor of the palace, Wulfold. Mm-hmm. And Wulfold is hungry for power. Hungry like the wolf. Hungry like a wolf, perhaps. Uh <laughs> And his brother, King Clothar III of Neustria, our last king, had a man called Ebruin as yeah. his mayor of the palace. And Ebruin is a- is a they're both troublemakers, yeah. basically. Um, and things are going pretty fine until Clothar III dies. Uh. And his nobles in Neustria had to decide between Childeric II and his younger brother, Theodoric III. Yeah. Guess who they choose? Well, I would have thought it'd be Theodoric just because- He'd be a child, I assume, so a bit easier to manipulate. Yeah. And be a they, puppet king. And they don't want to unite with Austrasia again because yeah. they don't get along. So, yes, they do choose Theodoric, who becomes Theodoric III. But the nobles of Burgundy, which fell under Neustrian rule in this period, decided they wanted Childeric II instead. <laughs> so, the Franco-Burgundian nobility at this time had a few different leaders, but the most important one in terms of the historical record is Leodegar, the Bishop of Autun. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of the main reasons he's so prominent is because he later became a saint, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, as pretty much every fifth person seems to do in this time period. <laughs> but because he is so well regarded, we have lots of people who want to write about him. And so there's a text called The Passion of St. Leodegar. Um, which they made it major primary source for this. Good for us, then. Yeah, for this rather murky period. One thing the text also does is villainize Ebruin. He is the (laughs) villain of the text. Of course. Can't have a villain. So, we have a lot of references to him as very conniving. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is because he was the political enemy of Leodegar. Because Ebruin's deciding- we want Theodoric III in charge. Yeah. And Leodegar is like, nah, we're going over to the Austrasian side. So, Leodegar was probably born in Burgundy way back in 615. So, he's getting up there in age mm. right now. Because um, he was born all the way back when Clothar II was king. Oh. But he was of noble Frankish descent. And he was sent to Paris, the capital of Neustria, to be educated. So, when he returned to Burgundy and became bishop, he was quite worldly, quite well-traveled, had some political know-how. And as you may remember from the Clothar the Second episode, only Frankish nobles could become bishops now. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's kind of a merging of the warrior class and the church class, kind of merging them together. So, Leodegar went and did his thing in Burgundy. He built loads of churches. He took photos holding babies. All Very that good stuff. Very much the politician. Very politician. 
Um, but then he got real mad when everyone chose Theodoric III over Childeric II. Because Leodeg- in Leodegar's mind, it's like, Childeric II is the next oldest brother. So he, he sh- should be in charge. He should be in charge. We should unite the Franks again. Um, and also, Ebruin has the control over Theodoric. And Ebruin is evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we don't want that. So with Leodegar's support, Childeric II invaded Neustria and quickly deposed his little brother. So Theodoric barely gets his tushy on the throne <laughs> before Childeric and Leodegar and Wulfold all burst in with this uh, Austrasian Burgundian coalition. It's like, stop, we object. We object. I object. <laughs> and um, yeah, they, they, uh, Theodoric is stripped of his title and is exiled along with his mare, Ebruin. You're being removed. Yeah. Well, he's not exiled too far. He's put in the Abbey of Saint Denis, uh, which is just outside yeah. Paris. I know. I'd always think to think of the scene in Emperor's New Grove where, like, um, Isa's being dismissed and they say all the different ways of how she's like going where it's like, you know, you're being like replaced. You're being <laughs> let go. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, they, they, they say we that to Theodoric, who is a child. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Eberwin is being downsized even more because he is going into the Abbey of Luxoy, which is in Burgundy. Uh, so he's getting put in Leodegard's territory. Uh, Leodegard can keep an eye on him. Exactly. Um, Wolfold becomes mayor of the palace in both Neustria and Austrasia, which angers many of the nobles who think he should stay in his lane and stay in Austrasia, and they want to have their own- one of their own nobles in charge. They don't want that one having that much power. Exactly. And, uh, I don't think we've ever- no, we've never had a mayor of the palace who's mayor of two palaces. But now we have! (laughs) Now we do. So, for this and other reasons that we'll get into in Voulez-Vous, Childeric II- became hated by the nobility of Neustria. Um, and so he's he's king of all the Franks at this point. Yep. Um, it's about 673. Um, but he makes some big mistakes, which Ooh. mean that this period where he's king of all the Franks, uh, or in fact, his life, um, is not going to last very long. So yeah, after about two years, the nobles of Neustria decide to Get rid of him. <laughs> Put him out of the way. So sometime in 675, while Childric is out hunting with his wife, Queen Billichilt, and his elder son, Dagobert, who's still a young child. Mm-hmm. So you know, they're taking him out on his first hunt, a little but field trip. Daniel's a bit too young. For that. Daniel's a bit too young. We left him in the nursery. Mm-hmm. Um, having a nice, pleasant time hunting in the forest. Yeah, and just as they have it, they're setting up a nice picnic. These men with daggers emerge Uh-oh. from the from the foliage. Oh my god! And all three of them are murdered to death. Oh, even the little one. Yes. Did they yeah. really think that? Like, why did the little one have to? I suppose they didn't want him to come up for revenge or something. Yep, they're all stabby stabby. Childeric the Second's death means that Theodoric the Third is now unopposed in coming back to the throne, which is very bad news for Leodegar. Because Ebruin also comes out of hiding and seizes power again. So, again, monasteries are not high security prisons. And where's Daniel? <laughs> Daniel? Well, we, we will okay. get to where Daniel okay. is. I'll leave that a mystery for now. Okay. But um, he's alive. Um, yeah, he's alive. Then so then Ebruin assembles some of the disgruntled Neustrian nobles who were responsible for Childeric II's death. He invades Burgundy. 
and he attacks Leodegar in his home of Autun. And uh, here's a quote from the Catholic Encyclopedia. To save the town, Leodegar surrendered to them. So he pulled a verse in Gatorix. Uh, <laughs> he was brutally treated and his eyes put out. The sockets being seared with red hot irons. Eberon's bloodthirsty instincts were not yet satiated. He caused the holy bishop's lips to be cut off and his tongue to be torn out. Some years later, he persuaded the king, that would be Theodoric III, that Childeric had been assassinated at the instigation of Leodegar. <laughs> the bishop was seized again and after a mock trial was degraded and condemned. He was led out into a forest by Eberon's order and murdered. It's always a forest. If you're a king, just don't go into the forest. Yeah. <laughs> or someone who's important, don't go into the forest. I mean, I guess it's important for them to hunt and that sort of thing, but the forest is a very good place to murder people, apparently. True. So, Leodegar obviously goes down as a martyr, and he gets made a saint about 200 years later. Um, What's he the saint of? Anything in particular? Just a saint? Oh, let's see if he's the patron saint of anything. I've never done this before. Patron saint of eye gouging. God, what pain. Leo de Gar. Can't even imagine the level of pain I'm that would be. I'm looking up on Wikipedia. <laughs> Attri- attributes. Man having his eyes bored out with a gimlet. See? Eye gouging, basically. <laughs> they love eye gouging. The um, French always Okay, have. he is the patron saint of Miller's. Oh. Invoked against blindness. Huh. Eye disease, eye problems, and sore eyes. So just the patron saint of eye issues. Well, I thought Lucy was the patron saint of eye uh, issues. Because she gets her eyes put out and she's depicted having holding her eyes on a plate. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> They're very gruesome, these so, saint depictions. <laughs> so, okay. So with that tangent, uh, we should return to the just as tragically murdered Childeric II. Yeah. They're not quite as uh, time consuming and brutally. Um, and we should review him. Yes. Past judgment. Enchante. Here Let's is have a, a look. Here is a picture of okay. our, our boy. Okay. He actually, his age kind of matches his- His age appropriate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He actually looks like in his 20s. Um, he's got the traditional crown. Mm-hmm. And then he's got locks. He was, has a nice smooth face. He's a real chiseled, like, chin. Like, yeah. Oh, it's very- He's kind of like strawberry blonde. Yeah. He's lovely. We've, we've had pretty much dark hair since Clovis yeah. the first. This is the first time we have lighter hair. Have color. lighter hair since Clovis. He's got the, the first. traditional like red robe, gown, whatever you want to call it. Yep. With Except, little gold uh, detail. Yeah. Um. He's got like a pine cone on the end of his scepter, yeah. which yeah. seems to be like a recurring thing of like a symbol of power. Is a pine cone? Maybe because it's like really hard to break or something. Yeah, I always see it as like part of architecture on like significant yeah. buildings. I see pine cones. So if somebody knows what the significance of a pine cone is, let us let know. Let us know. Yeah. So besides being used as a Christmas decoration. <laughs> yeah. So as well as this painting, uh, which is actually of him rather than the last one, which may not have been of <laughs> of uh, Clothar the Third because it was an old man. Yeah. Um. So his to- his tomb along with that of the wife and child who died with him, was discovered in 1645 at Saint-Germain-des-Prés near Paris. Mm-hmm. So he was buried with his family. That's nice, at least. It's nice, yeah. Um, but 17th century archaeological practices weren't exactly regulated. <laughs> or great. So, no. So all the treasures were stolen and we don't have any record of what oh. they were. Oh. Which this kind of makes the, the finding of the bees kind of more remarkable. Yeah. Because it was around the same time. 
but obviously in um, the Austrian Netherlands, they had they knew how to <laughs> categorize, yeah. and record. Whereas this is what we're talking about. This is like Louis the Fourteenth's France, uh, which was in a bit of a was a bit State. of a chaotic period at the time. Um, so, which we you know we'll get into in about a year or two. <laughs> two. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, it's not great. Yeah. Like, what we do have is lost. Yeah. At least we know we did have something. Yeah. And at least we know this portrait is of him. Yeah. So I'd like to give him a slightly higher mark than Clotha III, who got a 0.5. I was thinking a one. Half a point for the- Yeah, there because- being a record of a tomb and half a point- His for image is like- where he actually looks his age. Yeah. He's got like a- He's got like a strong jaw, but he looks- He looks very kind of bored and yeah, like- Yeah, like meh. Out of- um, Just does not want to be there taking that want to painting. Be there. He's like sitting at the council and being like, when is this going to be over so I can go hunting? <laughs> In the forest. <laughs> Which is a totally good idea. That was a king. Um, I'm going to give him one. Yeah, he's got, he's got a big old, he's got a big French nose <laughs> as well. So that's kind of appropriate. I, I kind of want to, um, kind of want to give him a two. Okay. Because to me, it's on the same level as Clothar II, who had like a meh, kind of appropriate looking one, but not impressive. Yeah, I'm going to stick with one. Stick with one. Okay. So that is a three for Enchante. On guard. Childeric II won his kingdom in a swift, decisive battle, mm-hmm. uh, which he may or may not have fought in. But <laughs> we know that he was there and um, he was with Leodegar and- you know, won his kingdom through battle, which I think is worth at least a couple points, yeah. would you say? But then after that, we really don't have much. Mm. Um, and then he gets stabbed to death a couple of years later. Mm. It's very short. It is. Um, and there's no effort to stop the erosion of the king's power and the rise of the mayors of the palaces. In his time, we have Wolfold, who is the kind of the most powerful mayor of the palace yet, because he controls both those kingdoms. Yeah. And that's not good either for the kingdoms or for Childeric. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's not good. Yeah. But it's there's something. Yeah, there's, there's something. at least more than Clotha the Third who got zero. <laughs> yeah, I'll give him a one for getting his throne. Yeah, and even though it was kind of Leo yeah. de Gars doing. And then I want I'll give him half a point for. Obviously, he was a selfish enough. That people hated him enough to want to kill him. <laughs> I'll give him a 1.5. Yeah, let's. I'm going to also give him a 1.5. <laughs> Whatever. That's a, So that's a three for On Guard. So it's threes across the board so far. <laughs> so Childeric II left most of the administration up to Wolfold, mm-hmm. which, as we know, did not end well. <laughs> um, and also everything that Childeric II personally did was kind of crap. <laughs> Um, so there's the incident that ended up killing him. Um, so apparently when he, while he was passing judgment at his court, as these Kings do, yep. he excessively, he excessively beat a nobleman called Bodolo. Do they say for what reason? Um, but Bodolo, I think he'd just been like fighting or something uh. and, um, you know, doing, doing some illegal noble uh. stuff. And, uh, Apparently, Childeric beat him and just went too far. 
Um, so then Bodolo reacted by gathering up some mates and coming to shank him in the woods. So that was Bodolo. Because that's the reasonable reaction. That is a very reasonable reaction. The king beat me excessively, so, so I'm I'll murder kill him. him. Yeah. That's not good, because the one instance yeah. we have of Childeric doing some personal ruley stuff is, is bad. Bad and the thing that leads to his death. Um, so- I can't give him anything. Well, there's some other things. Oh, there is. Um, in terms of, like, if it would have been good to rule under him, um, there's not a stable succession either. Uh, <laughs> so this is also bad. Um, so Theodoric III and Dagobert II, who comes back from Ireland, um, they're both about to fight over mm. Austrasia. So that's not good for succession. Also, we've got Daniel... He's unable to pass his throne on to his son successfully. Mm-hmm. Um, probably because the queen also got murdered. So she's, yeah. like, she's not there to like yeah, be a steady him. hand and mm-hmm. protect him. Yeah. Like we had with Boltild. Yeah. So that's not good. But Daniel will survive. That's and good. he's going to get put in a monastery. Of course. And that's why his name is Daniel, which is a sort of biblical name. Because he's uh. raised to be a monk. Oh. Yeah. So... What do we give for Vulipan? <laughs> I'm going to have to go zero. Yeah, it's a zero. It's real bad. Yeah. It's not like, because we gave Clothar III a one, even though he didn't really do anything, it was still a stable he, time. He did not make it worse. He didn't make it worse. Um, it was. He wasn't hated enough to get assassinated. Yeah, you would have been okay living under him because Bolthild had everything in hand. Yeah. Was that that's not the case now. So moving on to Ulala. Ooh la la. He marries his first cousin, Billishild, mm-hmm. uh, which is, as I said, the most incestuous relationship we've had so far. Um, it doesn't seem to have been his choice, though. Uh. It's an arra- it was an arrangement b- actually by Queen Beltild oh. uh, to strengthen Childeric's claim on what had been um, his father's kingdom. Yeah. Sorry, his grandfather's kingdom. Austrasia. Or I should say both their grandfather's kingdom. <laughs> He beat up a guy. Yeah. He was the wrong guy to beat up. Yeah. Uh, that caused a bit of a scandal. Um, He gets assassinated. Yeah. He's the first king too. Yeah. He's the first king that at least that we're reviewing because yeah. we've had kings before get assassinated. Yeah. Thanks to Fredegund. And <laughs> um, but so that that's juicy. Yeah. Some juicy is. stuff. Um, But we don't have a lot of detail. And his wife and kid died too, so that's yeah. kind of sad. But yeah. I guess it is very- um, Scandalous. Scandalous. But it's not his doing. Yeah. None of it really is. So I guess he has some points. Yeah. I'll give him a point just for being assassinated, because in, in itself that's scandalous. Yeah. And then I'll give him a, another point for first cousin, like even though it wasn't his choice. Yeah, it's- You know, he- it is the first time we're seeing this yeah. kind of thing. So, and I'll chuck in half a point for beating up a noble. So I'll give him two point five. Yeah, I think that's pretty. It's pretty easy maths there. Okay, um, that's all right. So, so there's a two point five from each of us, which yep. gives him a five for Ulala. Mm-hmm. Love you on the his length of reign as King of All the Franks was about two and a half years. Mm, not good. From spring 673 to autumn 675. Mm. 
And before that, he reigned in Austrasia for 11 years. So get half points for that. Gets half points for that. And that comes to a reign score of 1.5. Not great. Um, Then his family, he had two sons, but only Daniel survived. So that's one son. And that's a score of 1.7. Okay. So that totals up to just over 3 out of 20, 3.2 out of 20 for Vion Throne. Okay, and the overall score for everything? For everything tallied up, that is a 14.2 out of 100. Okay. So, quite a bit better than uh, Clothar the Third. Yeah. But still not great. Yeah, (laughs) out of 100 still not great. Yeah. Just because we had extra juicy details this time, I think it reflected in the score. Yeah. Um. We had a better picture, and we had, like, at least some evidence of him, yeah. like, seizing the throne and actually doing stuff. But it's really not good. Mm. Um, so, is he fascinating enough, <laughs> entertaining enough, majestic and fabulous and irresistible enough to be released from our dungeon, go through to the Battle Royale tournament, and be spared the guillotine? No. Just no. Just No. Sorry, Childeric the second. You just didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. Um, you have to be headless. Yeah, ruled for two years, didn't do much, then got assassinated, pretty much. That's not, I think, the greatness we're looking for. Yeah. So, um, that's going to be about it. Um for this, uh, I think, second of our rather short episodes. But that's all right. Um, Gives us a bit of breathing space, I think. Yep. Um, So. Check us out on all the social medias. Mm -hmm. You know, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Yep. Check out our WordPress site, Mm -hmm. Battle Royale podcast at WordPress. Dot WordPress dot dot com. Um, And yeah, uh, Check us out on WordPress because we will be putting up the maps and family trees that are relevant to this podcast and the, the pictures that we talk about, which will also be on our Instagram. Yep. And we might put a few of them on Facebook as well. Yep. So find um, us wherever you, you you do your socials. And if you want to directly contact us, you can uh, through our email, which is battleroyalepod at gmail.com. Yes. Um, so... Let us know what you thought of Childeric the Second, whether you think we were a bit harsh, whether you think we were too generous, <laughs> um, and which kings and emperors of France you're most excited to hear us cover. So that's going to be au revoir from me. And goodbye from me. Bye.